morning as we continue looking at 1 Peter, and we, uh, we're going to be talking about a, another difficult topic, what God says about marriage, our roles, our responsibilities. Now, if you're not married, if you're here this morning, you're watching online, these ingredients for a healthy marriage relationship are also ingredients that you can use in other relationships. So I trust whatever your situation that you will be challenged and encouraged in Christ this morning. Let's pray and ask for God's blessing. Father, as we you this morning, may we recognize that you as Almighty God love us. Lord, help us to recognize that our marriages are to be a picture of your love for the church, your love for us as your followers, and our response to you. Lord, just give us insight. Lord, help us not just desire to seek knowledge, but to live changed lives because of the power of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we're all hard to live with. Say, well, you know, not me, but uh, yeah, everybody around me is. We're all hard to live with. We all have odd behaviors that we bring into our relationships, including the marriage relationship. Now, think about if you are married, you remember your wedding day and that perfect picture. I don't think anybody walked down the aisle thinking, oh boy, this is going to be a disaster. And we have that perfect picture of what marriage will be. And of course, we're marrying that perfect person. And then reality hits. We married an imperfect person. And believe it or not, they married an imperfect person also. And, and maybe you even think, you know, what was I thinking? Or was I thinking? So we have two choices. We either can tear up the picture, that picture of the perfect marriage. We can tear up the picture and accept the imperfect person. Or we can tear up the imperfect person and strive to find another perfect picture. Peter 3, Peter shares some insight into what we can do in order to make a better marriage. Follow along as I read the first seven verses of 1 Peter 3. It says, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. 
Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So Peter starts here, and he starts by talking about a godly wife. And her responsibility, her responsibility is to submit. Verse 1 begins, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Now, if you're a lady here this morning, you may be saying, oh boy, you know, Peter, so often if you go back to the Gospels, he speaks out of turn. He He says crazy things. Obviously, he's saying some crazy things here. And then, to top it off, he spends seven Verses on the topic. Six of them talking to the wife. Only one talking to the husband. Obviously, he doesn't know my husband. He could have chapters and chapters that Peter should be sharing with him. Well, let's uh, step back and better understand what Peter is really describing. And we we need to start with the foundation in that we're all called to submit. There are roles in marriage. But we're all called to put each other first. If you go a little further in this letter, the letter of 1 Peter in chapter 5 and verse 5, it says this, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Ephesians 5 is probably considered the most familiar biblical instruction on marriage written by the Apostle Paul. And and we like to begin the marriage section in verse 22, but it begins before verse 22 of Ephesians 5. In fact, in 5.21 it says this, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So, we need to understand that we're all to put each other's needs first. In every relationship I'm involved in, I need to consider the other person. But God does have roles in marriage. But husbands and wives are partners, not competitors. It also helps to understand what submission really is and also what it is not. Submission does not mean inferiority or less value. Submission is not to lead to dictatorship. Submission is to be done willingly. It's not forced. Submission, that person that submits is the one who says, I willingly put myself under them. Submission is needed for functionality in the marriage. And the husband is called to be the servant leader with Christ as his example to follow. The humble servant leader. And ladies, I know it's six to one, six verses about the wife, one to the husband, but wait till we get to verse seven, because there's some pretty hard things that God, through Peter, is asking husbands to do. So, Wives, submit to your husbands. 
And then goes through the response of the husband in the last part of verse 1 and verse 2. His response is this, but, or that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Now, Peter jumps into a specific scenario. A scenario of a wife who is a follower of Christ and a husband who is not. And you have to understand, in that culture, this was even more difficult. If you're here today or you're watching online and you're a Christ follower and your spouse is not, it is difficult. But some of those people that Peter was writing to were in very, very hard situations. You see, in, in that culture, the Roman and Greek culture of that time, the wife was considered, and incorrectly considered, little more than simply a possession. The husbands were in charge. And the wife was, in, was to have the attitude of being the obedient servant. And so if a husband chose to follow Christ, there were difficulties, lots of persecution going on, and we've touched that as we've been going through 1 Peter. But the wife would be expected to follow along with whatever her husband determined. But if the wife chose to follow Christ and the husband did not, the wife had very little say and a lot of pressure to simply follow along with her husband even though God had been working in her heart, in her life, and she desired to obey and follow Christ. So Peter was challenging this believing wife to live a life that would draw her husband to Christ. William Barclay put it this way, the silent preaching of a lovely life. And in verse 2, it talks about how the husband would observe her conduct and it would draw him to the Savior that she served. That word observe means to carefully scrutinize. He was watching. Watching carefully. But she was to have chaste, godly conduct accompanied by fear. That term fear doesn't mean terror. It means reverence. She was to respect her husband. Even if he was not a Christ follower, even if he wasn't a perfect husband, she was to respect him. To respect him in his position as her husband. And her focus is seen in verses 3-6. through six. Beginning in verse 3, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not 
afraid with any terror. Peter reminds them that their focus is to be on their character. Now, he is not saying don't attempt to look good. He's saying that your primary focus is to have a godly character. Character is what God values. Verse 3 tells us it is precious in the sight of God. And also this inner beauty will not grow old. Our bodies will grow old. Our looks will change. But our character needs to shine through. Peter calls it the incorruptible, incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Proverbs 31, known as the proverb that talks about a godly woman, says this in Proverbs 31, verse 30, Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. And so our character for each of us, but here is, there needs to be a godly character. An inner beauty that shines through. But then, we come to verse 6. And you say, Peter, what are you doing? We we crossed the landmines of six verses to one. The idea of submission and, and what that means and doesn't mean. And we've been walking carefully through that. And then Peter tells the story about how Sarah called Abraham Lord. Great. So ladies, are you supposed to go home if you're married? Are you supposed to go home and say, yes, Lord? Speaking to your husband. That's not what it's saying. The idea of that term Lord there, and it's a small L, not a capital L, it's the idea of the respect. As we were challenged to earlier, in the Ephesians 5 passage talking about husbands and wives, where, where the, we see the roles in marriage, but the love that's to be there and the husband is to love his wife like Christ loves the church. And then it ends in verse 33 of Ephesians 5, and it says, as it's just finishing talking about the husband loving the wife as Christ loved the church, and it says, and let husbands love their wives and let wives respect their husbands. Interesting. Why, why didn't he say, why, you know, husbands love your wives, wives love your husbands? Probably a couple reasons. Love comes much more naturally with a wife as men. We're sort of, you know, sort of thick-headed, and we need to be reminded. But also, a wife, a woman, is made to need love, companionship, protection. And if you want to destroy a man, challenge his respect. Wives, if you want to destroy your husband, just get a small group of people or a large group of people and start to share some of the dumb things he's done. Him. So wives are to respect their husband. 
Then we come to the husband in verse 7. A godly husband. Husbands, verse 7, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of love that your prayers may not be hindered. Likewise. If you remember back in verse 1, Peter used that term likewise. Likewise wives, submit to your husbands. Likewise husbands, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor and being heirs together. Likewise connects the command of the husband with the other commands in this section of Peter's letter. And the section begins all in chapter 2, verse 12. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. And if you remember back, we've been going through, this section began with the challenge... Christians in every area of our lives to live a godly example. And so, chapter 2, verse 12 says, listen, even those who speak against you, look at your character and they can't speak poorly. You mean that you're perfect? Absolutely not. But you live a godly character and so that others around you see that character and even if they wanted to speak poorly of you, create a life that honors God. And then he goes through, beginning in verse 13 of chapter 2, and shares how this character is going to be described in the different areas, different relationships. In chapter 2, verse 13 through 17, as we looked at how we submit in society, how we honor those around us, how we honor the authorities in our lives. And then in the workplace, in chapter 2, in marriage, here in chapter 3, the first seven verses, and then in the church, in verses 8 and 9, we'll look at next week. Husbands are to put their wives first in their relationship. And he uses the term honor. It's the same word that's found in chapter 2, verse 17, where it says, honor the king. And so, the husband is to show that honor to his wife. He is to put her first. What is his responsibility? He's called to be with responsibility in all four areas that we find in any relationship. Physical responsibility. It begins there. Dwell with them. A husband is called to love his wife, spend time with his wife, to provide for her. Also intellectual. He is to dwell with them standing. He's to understand his wife. He needs to know her feelings, her needs, her fears, her dreams. Spending time in deep, meaningful to adults. 
learning about each other, understanding each other, challenging each other intellectually. And then emotionally. He is to give honor to the wife as a weaker vessel. Morning, and you're a husband, you need to be knight in shining armor. Treat your wife like a princess. You know, we need to treat our wives like fine china, not paper plates. Understanding and giving honor to her. And then Peter does it again. The weaker vessel. Great. Peter, why did you have to put that in there? Well, what does he mean? God created men and women differently. We need to recognize that. But it is not saying that she is weaker intellectually, emotionally, or spiritually. But physically, we're different. And as husbands, we're called to love our wife emotionally. And then spiritually. And as being heirs together of the grace of love, that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands, we're called to be the spiritual leader in our house. But that is a role. We are co-heirs with Christ. And it's interesting, as, as we look at this passage in the 21st century, and as people look at the biblical picture of marriage in the 21st century, we see some people say, well, that's just old-fashioned and, and, you know, and, and all kinds of challenge what marriage should look like. But in the first century, as Peter wrote these words, he had pushback. Not like we think that he would have pushback. He had pushback because the people there in the culture felt that Christians were giving wives or women too much honor and prestige responsibility. They were little more than property. And if she didn't meet your needs, you could get rid of her and find another one. And so they were angry with Peter. They were angry with Christians. But not in the way that we could imagine here in the 21st century. And men, we are to honor and recognize the value of our wives because they are valuable to God just as wives need to recognize the value of husbands in God's eyes and value Him. We are co-heirs with Christ. Being heirs together. Now, in the culture there in the first century, the sons were the ones who were given the inheritance. But Peter, and, and in other places, Paul and other New Testament writers 
talks about the inheritance that we all receive, male and female. And the teaching of the New Testament church was radical in the culture. Husbands and wives, the honor that God gives to women. Slaves and free. Again, in that culture, and we talked about it a couple weeks ago, where where slaves were 50% or more of the people there in that society were slaves. And they were considered nothing more than property. But God sees them as valuable people. Paul said, there's neither male nor female, slave nor free. God does not look differently based on our position, our gender, our power, our wealth. We are all valuable to God. Matthew Henry, speaking of the creation of man and woman, said this, Woman was not taken from man's head to be above him. She was not taken from his feet to be walked on by him but she was taken from his side to be close to him, from under his arm to be protected by him, from near his heart to be loved by him. But just as in society, just as in the workplace, we're to be an example of Christ in our marriages. And our marriages are to be a picture. As we saw in that video, that reminder, it's to be a picture of God's love for us. And as the husband and wife love each other, it should draw people toward the God who loves them. And our responsibility as a husband or a wife is not based upon the actions or the character or lack of character of our spouse. It's based upon our relationship with God. And you may be a wife here today and you say, you know, it's hard to respect my husband. It's not based on whether or not he has earned that respect. It's based upon a calling by God to be a godly As a husband, you can be saying, but God, you don't understand. She's driving me crazy, or she does this or that, and both spouses could say, they do, you know, you know, guess what? It's not based upon their actions. Husband, we're called in our responsibility to our wife physically, emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually. Is it hard when they're not fulfilling their responsibilities? Absolutely. But does it change what we are called to do? Absolutely not. Our responsibility has to do with our relationship with God. 
and we are called to reflect him in how we relate to others in our society, in our workplace, and in our family. And we see that that is important to do. Zig Ziglar shared a response to people who maybe feel like they married the wrong person. And they're at a point where, yeah, I came into marriage with this perfect picture and I married an imperfect person and I want to tear the person up. Start over again. This is what Zig Ziglar said. I wonder if he read this passage right before he wrote these words. He said, I have no way of knowing whether or not you married the wrong person. I do know that many people have a, wrong, have a lot of wrong ideas about marriage and what it takes to make that marriage happy and successful. I'll be the first to admit that it is possible that you did marry the wrong person. However, if you treat the wrong person like the right person, you could well up you could well end up having married the right person after all. Live out God's character in all your relationships. Live it out in your relationship as a husband or a wife. And that spouse will be encouraged in their relationship with God, whether it's the fact that they need one, or maybe they're struggling in it, they will be encouraged in that as you live a godly life. And a world around you will see the love of God in a godly marriage. And God will see. And a godly marriage is precious in the sight of Him. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you this morning, may we recognize that you are Almighty God. Lord, in our relationships, in every relationship we have, may we reflect your character. Lord, in our marriages, may you be glorified, and may we be the spouse that we're called to be. And we will give you the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.